Welcome to San Jose, where your co-hosts discuss all the spooky tales and mysterious legends surrounding your favorite city, San Jose. This is your co-host, Carmen Sanchez. And I am Manuel Avalos. And today, what are we talking about, Carmen? Today's topic, we are going to discuss the infamous Holy City. Do you remember why I mentioned that we should do this topic today as part of our Christmas series? Oh, because of the Santa Claus statues, right? Yeah, lining the entrance, but we'll get to that. Okay, so Holy City is an unincorporated territory community uh, in Santa Clara County, California. So once considered a utopian community in the 1920s and 1930s, it is now considered a ghost town. Well, it would be good to note that ghost town doesn't mean that there's ghosts. It's just rather that there's no one there anymore. Yes, but there are still person that lives there. (laughs) People that... Two (laughs) people. (laughs) And there could very much be ghosts, but... Again, we'll get into it. Okay, so the town is located in the Santa Cruz Mountains off State Route 17 on Old Santa Cruz Highway. Uh, And then also in 2006, the San Francisco Chronicle called Holy City a tourist trap uh, created by, quote, unquote, white supremacist huckster. It was owned by three wealthy investors since 1966 until 2016. So... Holy City was founded by William E. Riker in 1919 to preach his ideology of what he believed was, quote, the perfect Christian divine way to about 30 followers. Most prominently, he believed in celibacy, temperance, white supremacy, and segregation of both the races and the sexes. At that time, Holy City was the only development between Santa Cruz and San Jose, making it kind of like a roadside attraction for people that were traveling in between Santa Cruz and San Jose. Uh, And it attracted people because there was a restaurant, service station, zoo, observatory, post office, grocery store, peep show, soda stand, barbershop, observatory, I already said that, whoops, (laughs) shoe repair, and even a mineral water business. All of these made Riker about $100,000 a year, which in today's money is one and a half million dollars. Oh my god. What would you do with one and a half million dollars in a year, Carmen? In a year? Um, I don't know, have fun at the zoo? (laughs) Buy a square foot of land in San Jose. (laughs) Oh my god. I don't know, feed myself some good food. I just want some good food. It's the holidays coming up, so looking forward to all that good food, but still. True. Ironically, Holy City didn't have a church. That's like the one thing it didn't have. Instead, Riker held services in his own home, or there was also a Redwood Grove nearby. Like, this particular Redwood Grove was also just the setting for some of the services. And at its peak, Holy City was home to about 300 people. But um, I believe not all of them were necessarily in the following, like in the cult. Um, The city really declined in the 40s, which was around the same time that California started to build Highway 17. Um, And 
yeah, so this became the new main route to Santa Cruz, and it did not pass through Holy City. That it basically this meant that you know they were cut off from tourists and people just traveling in between Santa Cruz and San Jose. I bet the city planners were just sick of this cult getting so much money <laughs> from tourists. They're like, let us bypass this with Highway 17. <laughs> Typical of a government to try to think of some new costly solution instead of just taxing the church. <laughs> Damn! If that ain't the truth. <laughs> I'm- we, you know, we don't fund a train that would have, like, you know, because Highway 17 is considered one of the most dangerous highways in America, fun fact. And instead of, you know, making a safer way for people to get between Santa Cruz and San Jose and fixing the cult problem, we create a new problem and spend a lot of money on it. Anywho, as we mentioned, there are nine Santa Claus statues and a billboard that read, Headquarters for the most, the world's most perfect government, uh... <laughs> on the roadway entering Holy City, or at least there were. They're not there anymore. Um, and Riker literally called the group a, quote, cult in the rules and regulations for members that he wrote. Yeah. Well, at least it, um, he was self-aware, <laughs> I guess. Well, yeah, he was being upfront. He was, He wasn't trying to hide it. And that's what um, people love, is just honesty. Honesty. <laughs> In 1959, the town became unincorporated territory, and Riker lost control of the property. Soon after, a few buildings quote-unquote mysteriously burned down. It was owned by three wealthy investors since 1966 and put on the market in 2006, but no one bought it until 2016. So, that was weird. All those years ended in six. Hmm. And those were three dates. (gasps) Culty enough? For you? <laughs> I don't know. Anywho. So the most recent buyers were Robert and Trish Duggan, who bought it for $6 million. Carmen, I can't deal with this. You take it away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you didn't already know, both Robert and Trish are members of the Church of Scientology. So... Robert is the CEO of a pharmaceutical company. So he has been referred to as the church's largest financial supporter by Scientology executive Mark Rathburn. So even the head of the Church of Scientology realizes that Robert is a significant person within their community. Uh, According to Robert himself, he has donated almost $360 million to the church over his lifetime. Forbes described Robert as a serial entrepreneur and is number 368 on Forbes 400 list for 2020. His net worth is $2.4 billion as of this year, and he has contributed about 5600 to the Trump campaign, uh, which I think is the maximum. The fact that he even <laughs> donated to the Trump campaign is freaking ridiculous. But also the Church of Scientology is ridiculous as well. Whatever. Um, he also may have either six or eight kids uh, all adopted. So I found, I saw that they had both either six or eight kids on various websites. And this website called The Underground Bunker claims that Rob mysteriously transferred two kids to South Africa. 
so I didn't really, I read it too. I didn't really understand all of the story. It's pretty controversial though. Um, but also, fun fact, Rob is actually born in Oakland and went to St. Francis High School and currently resides in Palo Alto, California. Um, I was also reading on his personal website. So never on his website does he say that he supports the Church of Scientology, but it does say that he enjoys surfing. There's a lot of pictures of him surfing on his website. And it's so strange because there's like also a video of him in Costa Rica surfing. <laughs> and then on top of that, he actually really enjoys this one um, artist from Costa Rica. And he purchased a painting from this artist that was a green-eyed jaguar. And it looks so cute. It was a cute. It was a really cute painting. Um, <laughs> He's a complex character. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't understand. Well, moving back to Holy City and William Riker. William Riker referred to himself as the Comforter, the Emancipator, the King, mm. and the Professor. Wait, does he have a degree in any sort? Not that I'm aware of. All right, moving on. <laughs> he even claimed to be a mind reader and fortune teller. The U.S. government charged him with sedition in 1942 after he openly endorsed Hitler's ideology, although he wasn't convicted. People of color were not allowed to enter Holy City as a sign explicitly told black and Asian folks that they were not allowed in until, quote, you've learned your place. Oh my god. Yeah. Riker was able to spread his hateful ideology through his radio station, KFQU, although his license was revoked after he was caught broadcasting on a different channel. <laughs> like other cult leaders, he is remembered as a cunning swindler who fooled people out of their money while preaching the abandonment of worldly possessions and driving Cadillacs. His hypocrisy was further seen as the so-called tongue-forked father was known to sleep with women even though he prohibited even married couples from sleeping together. What? He was act yeah. He was actually charged with bigamy, which is where you're married to one person and then you like try getting married to another or you do get married to another. Okay. And because of that he actually fled to Canada at one point. Um he even ran for California governor four times and lost every single time. Thankfully. Thank goodness. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I mean yeah, basically, the moral of all of this is, once again, the scariest part of our podcast is just racism. <laughs> again, yes. Holy City continued declining into the 1960s and was even set on fire several times, destroying many of the buildings. Wait, um, the self do you know why it was set on fire? Was it, like, um, people within the cults... Uh, resisting or you know all the fires were mysterious some of them may have been accidental or most of them i believe were believed to be arson but they never were able to really prove it okay uh yeah or so unfortunately maybe insurance oh that's also possible but i'm not sure it that's really all it said was 
that it was set on fire. Also, set on set on fire several times. Okay. Yeah. The self-proclaimed God of Holy City, a.k.a. Father Riker, was brought to court multiple times, seriously, (laughs) on charges of tax evasion and even for literally writing letters praising Hitler to Hitler himself. Oh, my God. Yeah, this guy was, like, as bad as it gets with racism, basically. Eventually, he did a complete flip, and at 93 years old... He converted his entire cult belief system to Catholicism. Oh, good. We're, we're good now. <laughs> we're great now. I mean, Catholicism also had a history of racism, but that's a whole other thing. That's why he's uh, like, this is okay, I guess. Like, I'll settle into Catholicism. Marginally better. <laughs> he died three years later on December 3rd, 1969. Do you know where, Carmen? Where? At Agnew State Hospital. (laughs) How do we manage to connect all these together? I mean, it kind of makes sense since we're covering a relatively small geographic area. (laughs) But it is... You mean it's spooky coincidences. (laughs) It is a little uncanny that, you know, we cover one thing and then like two episodes later it comes up again kind of eerily. But I'm sure these connections will continue to happen as we talk about more topics in the future. I guess it's a good time to mention if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, you should do that now. Go ahead and slam that subscribe button. Slam it. We want to hear it. <laughs> and uh, be sure to also leave us a, a rating on iTunes if you haven't already. We'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, you can always follow us on Instagram, San Jose Podcast. You can tweet us at San Jose Pod or email us your thoughts and stories, San Jose at gmail.com. So. Recap. He died at Agnews in 1969. He was buried in an unmarked grave next to his wife, the so-called mother, Lucille Riker, whose grave actually is marked at Santa Cruz Memorial Cemetery by the Santa Cruz Independent Order of Odd Fellows Lodge. I had never heard of this group. I don't know about you, Carmen. Mm-mm. So I had to look this up. They are a group established in 1862 that traditionally provides funeral services for orphans and peasants, which I guess other people thought was weird, and that's why they're called the Odd Fellows. Uh, And when Father Riker died, Holy City was completely abandoned, and the only buildings that remain today are a few signs, a shack, and an old artisan's shop. Ooh, that's some good stuff. And that is Holy City. Yay. Now let's move forward to the legends. Few deaths have been recorded here. Uh, The first was on October 13th, 1942. Creepy? Kinda. I actually looked it up. I had to look up October 1942 calendar, but it is not a Friday. Oh. Yeah, sadly. Okay. But it was October. And it was the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so the first murder 
happened on October 13, 1942, when an argument between two carpenters, Joseph Witzig and Irvin Fisher, escalated and ultimately led to Fisher murdering Witzig with an iron bar. And the second death Sheesh. was a suicide when laborer Italo Cristofani hung himself from a tree outside of Riker's window. I feel like that's just the ultimate level of quitting or like causing a scene at work. Like, can you imagine being at work and then, you know, arguing over some like an email or like... Well, I read that they were having an argument over whether or not there should be a ladder... Um, outside of a home. That's... Isn't that, like, I mean, the biggest... Like, that is the biggest... For, like... Talk about petty, you know? Yeah, like... Uh, I can't. <laughs> Toxic uh, masculinity ruins the party again. That's this entire podcast. Seriously, honestly. That and racism. Oh my god, yeah. Where does it end with you people? <laughs> okay. So, um, more of the legend, like, Holy City is mainly just a ghost town at this point, um, like you noticed, uh, or as you noted earlier, um, it's noted here that, uh, like you were saying earlier, the old post office building is still standing and has converted into the Holy City Art Glass Workshop. There's also a shed. So there's like two buildings up right now. And then, honestly, it's just pretty much a good legend within itself. Like, who would have known that a white supremacist cult reigned over Santa Cruz slash Las Gatas for so long? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and then the last point that I have within legends is just a little uh, time for us to speculate wildly. So... What are what do you think the Duggins are gonna do with this land? So, like as I mentioned earlier, Trish and Robert Duggan are a part of the Church of Scientology. So it was mentioned that Trish was gonna turn the area into a another glass studio. But they're also super duper rich and could possibly make something else out of the ghost town. So what do you, what do you think? Well, what I think they're gonna do is probably something dumb and useless. Um, I mean, I'm not saying the glass studio is useless. I think it was really cool, actually. We'll get into it a little bit later. Um, but I feel like they're gonna end up being like, yeah, we're gonna make a glass studio, and they actually end up making something, like, dumb. Like, that no one cares. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna end up being something else. Like, But, I mean, if it were up to me, I feel like we should have a better train system. So we should have, like, a BART station that connects from the new, like, Berryessa station down to Santa Cruz. Can you imagine? That'd be great. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think they're going to do with the money? Okay, so, as we said that we were going to use this time to speculate wildly. So, I found a Reddit post uh, from Goody Two Shrews. Goody Two Shrews states that there is an amazing redwood fairy ring on that property, the biggest I've ever seen, um, and the guy who showed... Uh, the guy who owned the glass blowing shop let me go back there once and check it out. I don't think the new owners would let you do that, but it's worth a try. That thing is amazing. So this is in reference to the large circle of redwood trees that is known to be where Riker originally conducted his sermons. So since Trish and Robert 
are part of the Church of Scientology, I was thinking that they'd probably freaking Rob would become like the number one sermon within the Church of Scientology, and Robert could probably just hold sermons out there, like for his Church of Scientology peeps. Oh no. Yeah. They're gonna become the new LA. I know. So I'm so scared that that is going to happen. But I read in a different article from the Mercury News. Here it is. So much of the land sits on steep hillsides in Santa Clara County. Planner Carolyn Walsh said that it's, it's zoned for sparse residential use. Any other use, such as a retreat, a camp, or a place of worship, could be allowed, but only with a use of a permit. So I don't know, like... They would need a permit to do any of those things, but I think that <laughs> they're gonna try and make it that way because it, it cult it was a part of a cult and now it could currently continue to be a part of a cult. I'm just saying. Like I said, something stupid and un and unnecessary. <laughs> exactly, Hailzorp. Hailzorp. Um, let's continue with personal narratives. Okay, so there was a cool comment um, that I found, and it said that, or somebody, an anonymous commenter wrote on January, January 24th, 2010, that people in Santa Cruz County and Santa Clara County would often visit the post office of Holy City to have their Christmas cards mailed with a Holy City cancel mark on the envelope. And also, there were shorter lines. So I thought that was cool, like... Uh, that's so all the religious people would go to Holy City and get their their card stamped. Um, that's an interesting little like nice. tidbit. Yeah. So, um, it, like we've already uh, spoken about, Holy City was at one point home to Holy City Art Glass. It was owned by Tom Stanton, and he would hold classes glass blowing classes and um, also had a studio there so this glass studio was rated at four and a half star uh, four and a half out of five stars with a total of six yelp reviews and i'll continue by reading three specific reviews on august 1st 2011 amanda s from amenlo park california rates holy city art glass at five out of five stars she says and i quote Amazing! First of all, whatever I say in my review won't do justice to how much fun a person can have at this studio. The owner is an incredible, indescribable character, Tom Stanton, who is one of the most interesting and engaging people you will meet. You have to visit and spend time hearing his wonderful stories. We stopped in and he gave us a personal tour and demonstration. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen and made the work that we brought home even more special. All of his work is absolutely amazing, and the only hard part is not taking home every single piece of glass. I, partic I particularly loved all of his glass pumpkins and purchased several. They're in they are incredibly unique and beautiful and a perfect souvenir of my visit to the studio. You must visit and see in person how amazing the studio, the glass, and the owner are. Aww. I know, right? So moving forward to 
July 20th, 2015. Abe L. from Sunnyvale, California rates this location at a whopping one out of five stars. Rude. So I've been wanting to visit this place for about a year. When you look at the uh, when you look them up online, there's nothing about hours or when they're open. So we took a drive from Sunnyvale to explore and find some great glass. After driving out, we found the place, a little dirty building with very little markings to say you're there. But it was the place, an old post office building. When we drove up, there was a people sitting out front on the porch talking. I approached them, smiling, and said hello. The woman in the group smiled at me and said hello in return. I said that we were here to look around. Would that be okay? Then a man sitting said, no. I repeated, no, should we come back? He then very rudely stated that he was in a conference clients. You need to come another time. At this point, I walked away. The woman matched my eyes and gave me a look, though to gesture, sorry. We got in the car and left. We won't bother going back. The shop we saw had bullet holes in the front door glass and looked like a dirty garage. I bet there is some nice glass there, but they won't see my patronage. Anyone who treats visitors that way deserves to lose. Good luck, glass hole. Uh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so then on October 26, 2015, Lenny B. rates Holy City Art Glass 5 out of 5 stars. This shop was an institution in the Santa Cruz Mountains for 40 years. Sadly, owner slash artist Tom Stanton has passed away. You will be missed, Tom. So who's the glass hole now, Abe L? Seriously. What a jerk. I, I actually found somewhere that he apparently passed away of cancer as a result of glass particles in his blood. Yes. And Carmen, you know and I know for a fact that that's a real thing. Because, do you remember our ceramics teacher in high school? Oh, yeah. Carmen and I took ceramics in high school, and um, if you ever had a part of your piece that was too sharp, she would make us, like, sand it down using what I called the cancer sponge. Oh, my God! The cancer do you remember sponge! That? Yep. Yeah, it was, like, this thick block that you would shave down um, either fired clay and or gla- uh, glaze. And she always warned us, like, be sure to get all the particles in the trash and, like, don't let them fly around because they are cancerous. And it's, I mean, it's literally glass. So, rip Tom Stanton. Yes. He was, as Carmen mentioned, known for his glass pumpkins, helped at one point fund Las Gatas High School's art programs, and was a volunteer firefighter in the 1980s. Thank you, Tom Stanton. We appreciate your service and creativity. Pop culture time! Okay, so Manny, um, there used to be a music slash comedy club in San Francisco from the 70s to the 90s at 408. What's up, Bay Area? (laughs) (laughs) Clement Street called the Holy City Zoo. Do you want to find out how they got that name? 
Yeah, I found that it got the name because the original owner, Robert Steger, Stager, who had driven down to Holy City to take advantage of their, quote, going out of business sale. He had originally gone down to purchase tables and chairs, but he saw the sign and took that as well, and that gave the club the iconic name. Fun fact about the club. Uh, there was a small stage set against the back wall, and a few stairs stage left led to a small balcony known as the John Wilkes Booth. Oh, but, um, that's really dark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> Too soon? several <laughs> many many years later it's still too soon oh my god okay so at this comedy club there were actually quite a few notable notable performers um at this underground comedy club so this included dana carvey personal favorite kevin bacon i had no idea he did any sort of comedy nora dunn she was in snl ellen degeneres we all know her. Uh, Mark Marin, another personal favorite. I love you, Mark Marin. Patton Oswalt, um, who played Remy in Ratatouille. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so he's a really cool comedian. Rob Schneider, and uh, most notably, Robin Williams. So he would actually go there and practice before his main shows. Oh, wow. That's so dope. All right, so... Random connection, but I love that. I know. He's so cool. Um, so it has closed and reopened under different people numerous times, and when Holy City Zoo closed for the final time, Robin Williams commented on the comedy club's final closure, stating, It's like pulling the life support on your aunt. It's depressing. The zoo was the womb. Weird quote, but I'll take it. And... As of right now, to this day, um, it is currently called the Scarlet Lounge, which is a little UK tavern-ish uh, thing. I looked it up. It seems pretty cool. We should go. Oh, heck yeah. But sadly, they don't do comedy anymore, I think, which is... No, they don't. Oh. There was actually a revival back in, like, 2016, where there... Oh, what? Yeah, there was... They, um, made it it was a non-profit um so all the money they raised um went to charity but then it oh, nice. that was the final close closure of the like it being a comedy club and then the new owners made it into this like little pub i heard it's really good it's like it got a four out of five stars on yelp and you know how much <laughs> we take yelp reviews into consideration very true well that brings us to the related facts. Holy City is actually not the only ghost town in the area. A couple other ones include Lexington, Patchen, and Wright Station, which are also abandoned communities. And fun fact, Patchen is now a Christmas tree farm. So that is the third Christmas relation. <laughs> Yes. In, that we've brought up so far. <laughs> or, like, that's the third Christmas um, reference we've had in Holy City so far. <laughs> Not too surprisingly, there were actually very few children in Holy City since, you know, Father Riker preached celibacy even if you were married. Leona Claire Fuller, one of the only children to ever live there, 
tells her those tales of growing up there in her book, Holy City, California, My Father's Final Quest. I mean, I want to see a seat at that kid's table for Christmas. <laughs> all by yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, there's actually a really big story that happened, um, not exactly in Holy City, and this was before it became Holy City, but um, it's a well-known story in the area, and I figured we should include it. In the 1800s, during the gold rush, there was someone named Charlie McKiernan, and Charlie is spelled with an E-Y ending, not I-E, and some people have made quite a point about that. Also known as Mountain Charlie. Mountain Charlie was an Irish gold-rushing immigrant who came to San Francisco and then later down to the greater San Jose area. He paved some of the roads in south and west San Jose into Los Gatos, including one that's still named after him, Mountain Charlie Road. He is really known, though, for surviving a grisly attack in Moody Gulch near Holy City. It's kind of a long story if you want to look it up, but the summary is that on May 8th, 1854... Charlie and his friend Taylor were out about a mile away from his home, from Charlie's home. They were out on a stroll shooting animals and checking out the land when they find a grizzly with two cubs. They shoot at the animal, for whatever reason, but the grizzly actually bites his head and crushes the front of his skull. They were only saved because their dog decided to chase after the cubs, and the cubs squalling drew the mother's attention away. McKiernan was still alive and was later taken to a doctor who actually took two Mexican half dollars and forged them into a type of silver plate to patch up his skull. Was that the current practice at the time? <laughs> you know, I don't know. And maybe it's also because supplies were short in this area because it wasn't like in the city city, you know? Mm. Um, and this actually had to be replaced two more times. And so that that was a total of three procedures, but only in the last one did he have anesthesia. So. Oh my god, so what did they... Well, okay, so this is about the time when, like, cocaine and heroin were used in place of anesthesia, oh, really? right? Right? Well, like, I don't know. Oh, a lot of uh, practice in that era is they were just used random drugs. Like, even in aspirin... There's, like, cocaine. The more you know. Wow. <laughs> well, his face still, though, remained very disfigured, and he actually wore a hat over his left eye to cover the damage for, I believe, the rest of his life. He lived on for several more decades and died in 1892 of an unknown stomach ailment and then was buried in Oak Hill Cemetery. Of all the things that he could have died from, it was just a random thing that happened with his stomach. But he was also pretty old at that point, I believe. I think he was in his wow. 60s or 70s, which at that time was pretty, you know, pretty old. Yeah. His personal motto was, right wrongs nobody. That's a good one. Yeah. But that's not all. I found more information about him that, it, I mean, I just had no idea. So, first of all, if you look up Mountain Charlie... You will probably get to mountaincharlie1850.org, which is a website for a 5013C historical and fraternal organization open only by invitation. They have... Exclusive. Yeah. 
So they've placed plaques on a bunch of historical places in the area. They dress up in gold rush era clothes. And most notably, they're known for drinking a lot. Okay, wait. So this group is called... Oh, and it's fraternal. So like, only men. No, actually, women are allowed. But I mean, I can imagine bro culture may still be pretty strong. (sighs) Okay, well, actually, well... Did you know that in Los Gatos, there's a bar called Charlie's? No, it's I didn't. Spelled, With yeah, an E-Y? Yeah. Whoa. Okay, that's something to look up and a place to go to once COVID is over. Well, I'm actually on their website right now. And on Friday and Saturday, they're having VIP bottle service. On Sundays, everything is half off um, from 4 to 11. Interesting. Are they open during COVID for takeout? For takeout? I'm pretty sure they're having uh, COVID parties at the site. Oh. (laughs) Because it says that it's bottle service. Oh, yeah. Well, who knows? But don't it don't go or wear a mask. Actually, oh okay, so here it says um for their bottle service event you can reserve your bottle service area and that yeah, I don't yeah, I don't think they're complying too much with social distancing, but according to mountaincharlie1850.org, by tradition, a person could join a clampus vitus by invitation only and then was expected (laughs) and then was expected to endure an elaborate humorous and sometimes grueling initiation ceremony membership in eclampus vitus declined in the late 1800s but experienced a revival in the 1930s and is still going strong today modern day clampers is which is what they call themselves clampers why uh because of the clampus thing yeah i I don't know latin i don't know what that means but shouldn't they all be named charlie or something or like do they call each other like i would be mountain carmen and you would be mountain manuel i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) this place this they just didn't have that much information about themselves but um modern day clampers typically dress up in garb reminiscent of the gold rush usually a red miner shirt and black hat and they still hold, hold their unique initiation ceremonies, but now specialize in putting up commemorative plaques of historical and hysterical interest. Along with serious sites that need more reverent commemoration, clampers have been, known to know, have been known to plaque places like saloons, body houses, and other locations that have been, quote, overlooked by more serious historical societies. Pull to the side of the road in California to read a monument, and as often as not, you will discover that clampers have something to do with its erection. As the new millennium begins, there are thousands of clampers in 42 chapters in California, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado. There are even two new outposts of our August organization in Oregon and Washington. Since the early 1930s, well over 2,000 historical sites have been plaqued with historical markers by ECV. And uh, there you have it. That is their self-description. That's cool. Do you think we could get an invite since we already talked about them, or like? I don't think that's how it works, Carmen. Um, can we get a formal invitation to join, please? The last thing I was able to find is uh, there's actually so one of the present day landmarks in the mountains 
is Mountain Charlie Big Tree. That's what it's called. Uh, it's, it's a big tree <laughs> named after Mountain Charlie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was named after loggers in the area ceased logging. And it is a Sequoia Sempervirens standing originally over 300 feet tall, but today it stands at about 260 to the tip. Um, it was broken off in a storm a couple years mm. ago. And it is located on private property 300 feet away from the highway at Big Redwood Park subdivision, about a half mile north of Glenwood on the Los Gatos Santa Cruz Highway. Oh. <laughs> Let's go visit Mountain Charlie Big Tree. <laughs> You know, the big tree. Well, once again, it's on private property. I don't know what it is about all these spooky places with, like, history that are, like, private. But, I mean, if you own that tree, can we take a yeah, look? Yeah, please let us know. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I want to see, yeah, I want to see. I like big trees. Specifically this one. <laughs> Yes. Well, that is Holy City. Um, we don't really have a verdict for this one because it's not a ghost story and it's pretty well documented How history. about we do, like, do you think it's going to continue being an area for cults? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, well, it is owned now by, I mean, literally the biggest Scientologists. I didn't know this. Like, that's wild to me that... The Church of Scientology, the Church of Scientology's highest members, which, oh, we didn't mention, but the Church of Scientology, if you know, um, they have, like, if you donate enough money, they'll give you, like, certain awards and stuff, and you get, like, special status. They literally had to develop new awards for the Dugan couple because they've donated so much money. So, I mean, the fact that the highest ranking, like, members of the Church of Scientology, I feel like they're definitely gonna... They're going to help continue the cultish history of of uh, Holy City. But um, what do you think, Carmen? I'm scared now. Like, what if we just unveiled their plan and they're going to try and convert us or get our email? Or Did you watch the documentary on Netflix? On Scientology? Yeah. No, I, but I'm pretty scared to do so because, like, I'm sure, like, what if I watch it? Oh, Carmen, <laughs> I did. And? Yeah, basically, if you talk ill about the church, but, like, if you're in it and you talk ill about the church, you basically get canceled. I forget what they call Oh, they call it fair game, where, like, if you say bad things about them or do bad thing, quote, you know, things that they think are bad to the church, they find, they think, they say it's fair game to come after you. Oh, and, excuse me? Fair game. Yeah, they literally, Jesus. they interviewed people um, that were involved with the church where they would, like, put tracking devices on people's cars and, like, prevent you from leaving. And, like, it, it's, a, it's a lot, but you can watch the the Scientology documentary on Netflix if you're interested. Yeah, so what, oh, what happens to people outside of the community? Um, I don't really think much. I mean, there have been a lot of protests. Literally, people protest in front of, like, the main Church of Scientology in L.A., um, and I don't think anything really happens to them because they don't, they're not seen as much of a threat as people that were in the church who could more credibly make claims about, um, you know, cultish behavior and 
and uh, wrongdoing. So. Oh, so they're probably just not going to allow us in their group. But I'm fine Which, with that. Good. <laughs> yeah, I could. Uh, well, technically, we're not speaking ill of them. We're just speculating. And reporting the facts. Yep. So don't hurt us, Church of Scientology. <laughs> All right, so that was kind of still. Uh, I think they're going to use it. I, I 100% think that they're going to use it as like whole. It's literally called Holy City. They're, they're going to use it as their holy land, probably. Mm. Oh, gosh, Hail we're going to have like Scientology pilgrims come pretty soon. I'll print out a bunch of the Organize It books and sell them. Oh, true. If you're not, okay, if you don't know who Zorp is, or what organized it is, just watch Parks and Recreation, and again, you'll understand all the references on the show. Yes, hails up. Well, listener, as usual, you can feel free to vote on our verdict, and this time, again, it's going to be a little different because it's not really a ghost story and a little bit less speculative, but feel free to check out our Instagram, Sanhanze Podcast, for bonus content, and uh, be sure to let us know what you think. <laughs> Holy City may not be haunted by ghosts, but it is probably haunted by cults. <laughs> yeah, so, pretty much. So, Manny, you want to go play some Dead by Daylight? Let's do it. See you next week, and stay spooky, San Jose. Hills Orb. Hills Orb.